Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Is there anything better than a really good everything shower? So if you don't know what an everything shower is, it's something that we all do, okay? You just don't know the name for it. It's when you are doing your full hair body care routine big shower. So my hair care is a huge part of my everything shower, okay? I wash my hair about once a week and I really go all out. Before I get in the shower, I make sure I do a hair mask, okay? So I dampen my hair and use the Amika Soul Food Mask. Let it sit for about two hours. And sometimes I just go to the gym with my hair in a bun. And then I wash it with the Hydro Rush shampoo and conditioner also from Amika. And my hair, you guys, it is so soft and so silky. It looks like I've just come out of the salon. Now, if you're not familiar with Amika, I have been a fan of the brand since I want to say like 2016 or 2017. They have clinically proven shampoos and conditioner duos that leave our hair looking and feeling like we just left the salon. Their science-backed formulas are powered by nourishing, naturally derived ingredients with no nasties that deliver visible, woe-worthy results for every hair type. Now, I've been a fan of Amika for years, as I mentioned, because they are you know, a younger brand, a startup. And you guys know I love supporting other startups. They're a fearless Brooklyn-based salon-raised hair care brand. And the word Amika actually means friend. They were kind and clean before it was a thing. Amika has always been vegan and cruelty-free. And they're clean, planet-positive at Sephora, and B Corp certified. They also have sea buckthorn-powered products that nourish our skin, scalp, and strands. So if you haven't tried Amika yet, I highly recommend you do. If I were you, I would start with either the Cure Hydration Duo, which I've talked about, or honestly, their masks are amazing. And I feel like masks have become like a real thing for me where I find that my hair just looks so much more nourished and soft. So Amika has an offer for you guys. You can shop all of my personal favorites at loveamika.com slash dreambigger and you can get 20% off your order. So this page, you have to go to the link, okay? In the link, you'll see every single product that I love from Amika, from their shampoos and conditioners to hair masks to, you know, um, sprays, like, you know, styling products essentially. So again, the link is loveamika.com slash dreambigger. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Sif Hyder, the founder of Hooray. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, 
but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. Today's guest is someone I think you guys will find really, really inspiring. I am, of course, talking about Sheena Zadeh-Dali. She is the founder of Kosas. That is a viral clean beauty brand. And I think that they were doing clean really before it was a cool thing or something that everyone else was doing. More than that, though, the fact that they're clean, what I love about Kosas is that they like you can do a full face of Kosas makeup. It doesn't look like it's too light. I mean, you can go for the whole no makeup makeup vibe with them, but you can also have like a full face of glam with Kosas products. And I can vouch for this because I've been using a bunch of their products. I'm a huge, huge fan of their lip oil. And I initially got one of them. I want to say it was like a couple of years ago. I went to Sephora and I showed them the Charlotte Tilbury pillow talk. And I was like, do you have a clean version of this? And the Sephora guy there, he was like, yes, I have something from Kosas. And I've been using their lip oil ever since. I love the shade revealed. It is so good. I've talked about that. And then the RMS lip liner, it's in the sunset nude over and over again. I just had to call it out because this is like the best clean lip combination that I can like uh, that, that I've ever come across anyway. So back to Sheena, she is an absolute force. What she's done with Kosas is something that I think brand founders dream about. And we get into the nitty gritty of exactly how she did that, her entire journey as a founder. And I think that this episode is a testament to longevity, okay? Because I think a lot of us have come across these startup stories where we're like, oh my God, you know, year one, they're just so big and successful. No, Sheena has been at it for a really long time and it shows she's an industry veteran. And I think that there's just so much we can learn from her. So I'm really, really excited for you guys to listen to this interview because I think you'll learn a lot before we get into it. Let's get into this week's review. It comes to us from Ned Cora and they say wonderful show. Love the versatility in guests and conversations. Guys, um, if you do feel like the show brings you value in any way, I would so appreciate if you took the time to leave a rating and a review. All you have to do is open up the Apple podcast app, scroll down to the bottom where it says leave a rating and a review in the rating section. If you feel like I've earned it, please leave me a five star rating. And in the review section, tell me anything you want me to know. Honestly, I don't care how long or short your review is. It just helps me understand what you guys are resonating with. And if you guys have any feedback in terms of favorite topics, guests you want to see, favorite guests from the past, I, of course, love to hear that. A lot of the times the guests that I do have on the show are based on your requests. So I take those really seriously. I read everything you guys have to say, and I genuinely internalize that and it allows me to continue to show up as a better host. All right. With that, let's welcome Sheena to the Dream Bigger podcast. So you started Kosas in 2015, which is it's been a minute. And I just I feel like it's like blown up in the last three, four years. But I want to go back because 
it's interesting, like prior to interviews, I always try to do some research around founders. And sometimes it's like, like there's just not a lot out there. And with you, that was actually the case. And so I'm really excited to like fully oh, learn good. about you from scratch. <laughs> so what were you doing prior to Kosas? Well, right before I was, I was, how old was I? I was 29 or 30 when I first started working on Kosas. Mm-hmm. I had just had my daughter. She was eight months old. You started working on a business with a fresh baby? I actually think it helps because there's like no one like a new mom to get shit done. That's also true. (laughs) So she was a big inspiration for me just Uh because I wanted so like I so wanted her to she was my it was the most in love with anyone I ever felt. And I wanted everything good for her. And I wanted her to be able to do everything she wanted to do. And Mm. I had spent my whole life wanting to do this thing. And I felt like I had to do, I had to finally pull the trigger on doing the thing that I felt like I came to the world to do so that I could have credibility when I encouraged her to do the same. I love that. That's really beautiful. Yeah. And what were you doing before that? Like, were you in kind of like, were you also an entrepreneur prior to this? Like, what was your career path before this? No, I wasn't an entrepreneur. I mean, well, you're born an entrepreneur, yeah, right? Like, true. you know that. Right before that, I was studying fine art for two years with wow. an artist in L.A. I was, like, really deep diving into color. I'm going. I'm giving you the backwards, like, for some reason, the <laughs> the uh, Benjamin Button version of, like, I'm growing down <laughs> here story. <laughs> I do but, the same, yeah. by the way, as well. When I'm on interviews and, like, someone asks me, I'm like, well, right before, right? I was doing this and then before that. So I, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I I mean, it's it's kind of a long time ago now because it's been 10 years almost mm-hmm. that I because it was 2014 when I really started working on the brand before 2015 is just when launch yeah. launch happened. And I had gone to school for biology. So I was pre, and I was pre-med. Oh, during my gosh. That time. I'm, by the way, terrified of hospitals. I can't be in one at all. So I was like, <laughs> well, that's not going to work. And then I but I love beauty. So I was like plastic surgery is what I would love to do. Uh-huh. I, I love faces so much. I mean, it's like my passion but I would have to go through the hospital to get there. And there's just no way I can do that. So uh, I I was in college. I discovered like kind of doing some doing research that became like part of the way that I could have my sciences, but still have a career. And so like I started doing research in labs. I had a few jobs working in labs, basically doing like microbiology and like quality assurance and like, you know, various different kind of manufacturing processes, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then... I but like at that point, I definitely knew I wanted to have a beauty brand. I've known that for a long time. It was just a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Like there was really no way to do it unless you really were like, you know, doing it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't there were no there was no Internet. There was yeah. no Instagram. There was no like e-commerce. Like yeah, 2014 were, is like 20 fucking, by 2014. There was. Yeah. But when I first but had even, the thought even 2014 is fucking vintage. It know? was like, vintage. It's, I know. Don't like, remind me. Prior to that, oh my God. Prior like, to that, yeah. It was like, it was 2002 when mm-hmm. I first decided I wanted to have a beauty brand. Oh my God. Yeah. This so is like, was, you were looking at encyclopedias at the library. I thought I was going to have to open a retail store. It was a pipe dream. It's yeah. like saying, I want to be an astronaut or mm-hmm. I want to be an actress or something like that, that like, even those things feel a little bit more achievable now for some reason. But like at the time, it just it's a pipe dream. Yeah. It's not something that can really happen. By 2014, it could really happen. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of tools that we all had, like the barrier to entry really went down and I was ready. I did go to business school 
And after all that is when I came out of business school right during the recession and there were no jobs anywhere. I lived in Orange County. Orange County got hit really, really, really hard Mm -hmm. because of like the entire subprime mortgage industry was really like based there. And so there was, it was decimated. And that was the first time that I was like, I, there's no career to pursue. So why don't I do what I really love, Mm -hmm. which is really learn about color and art and art forms. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a couple years doing that. And it was that that led up to me actually starting COSAS. And so then you have your daughter. And what motivates you to actually take the leap? And also, why clean beauty? Because back in 2015, like 2014, when you actually had the idea, that wasn't really a thing. It was like a completely nascent category. I don't think it really existed. Back then, I had gone through this journey of healing my own body through a variety of different things, whether it was attending to my mental health, to my physical health. And I was employing a lot of different modalities, like really being mindful of what I was eating, starting to incorporate Chinese medicine into my life, some Ayurveda, like really healing through food and like making decisions that felt really right for me about what I was putting in on around my body, mm-hmm. around my space. And I was living that way. And so when I started to think about how I was going to formulate, everything that I was doing was intentional. So every ingredient I was going to pick was going to be intentional too. There wasn't going to be an ingredient that was showing up in, it was lipsticks at that time. I started with lipsticks. that was going to show up in a lipstick that didn't have a true reason for being there And that wasn't going to lead to like this looking more beautiful and feeling more comfortable or being more nourishing. Mm -hmm. And because I was being so intentional with ingredients, the result is like what you would call clean now. We didn't have it then. I didn't talk about it either. Interesting. We didn't really use that word. At the time, there was like natural and organic makeup. Uh And it was associated with like granola kind of. I know yeah, like you, you buy it at Whole Foods. Yes. It comes in a wood package. Yep. Like it, there's nothing sexy and it definitely kinda doesn't work. It smells yeah. a little grassy. I know yes. exactly what you mean. Exactly. And it's like sheer. Like where's the payoff? It's like dyed with like a flower or mm-hmm. something like that, you know, so it doesn't even really work. And I'm I love makeup. Makeup. Like I want my makeup to be transformative. I love the. I mean, it's your makeup tool. right now is like incredible. I can't stop staring at your eyes. Thank so you. Clearly. <laughs> I love makeup. It's like you're, you're oh, your own little artist every single day. And the lipsticks were really high payoff. They were beautiful. They didn't move. They were so imperceptible. You got like all that payoff, but without any of that uncomfortable feeling. And I wanted people to sense that part of it and not be turned off or make any assumptions about the product before knowing what it was by calling it clean or calling it natural or what. I mean, Clean really didn't exist as Mm -hmm. a word. But then the category started to evolve naturally. Mm -hmm. And it started to evolve through a lot of retailers. I think like people started opening up boutiques and shops like Goop was one of the early ones. Credo was an early one where they were, you know, they had this philosophy around clean. And it was the retailers that found Kosas and looked at the ingredients. I mean, like really they were deep diving into the ingredient Mm -hmm. list. And they were reaching out to me and saying, hey, we noticed your brand is clean because we read the ingredients. Do you want to, you know, be in our store? We have clean beauty. And then I was starting to see the category evolve. It wasn't just like the granola kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, the grocery aisle stuff anymore. It was it was actually becoming there was a 
the element of luxury was being introduced into clean. And so Encosis took that path too. Is there anything better than a really good everything shower? So if you don't know what an everything shower is, it's something that we all do, okay? You just don't know the name for it. It's when you are doing your full hair body care routine big shower. So my hair care is a huge part of my everything shower, okay? I wash my hair about once a week and I really go all out. Before I get in the shower, I make sure I do a hair mask, okay? So I dampen my hair and use the Amika Soul Food Mask let it sit for about two hours. And sometimes I just go to the gym with my hair in a bun and then I wash it with the Hydra Rush shampoo and conditioner also from Amika. And my hair, you guys, it is so soft and so silky. It looks like I've just come out of the salon. Now, if you're not familiar with Amika, I have been a fan of the brand since I want to say like 2016 or 2017. They have clinically proven shampoos and conditioner duos that leave our hair looking and feeling like we just left the salon. Their science-backed formulas are powered by nourishing, naturally derived ingredients with no nasties that deliver visible, woe-worthy results for every hair type. Now, I've been a fan of Amika for years, as I mentioned, because they are you know, a younger brand, a startup. And you guys know I love supporting other startups. They're a fearless Brooklyn-based salon-raised hair care brand. And the word Amika actually means friend. They were kind and clean before it was a thing. Amika has always been vegan and cruelty-free, and they're clean, planet-positive at Sephora, and B Corp certified. They also have sea buckthorn-powered products that nourish our skin, scalp, and strands. So if you haven't tried Amika yet, I highly recommend you do. If I were you, I would start with either the Cure Hydration Duo, which I've talked about, or honestly, their masks are amazing. And I feel like masks have become like a real thing for me where I find that my hair just looks so much more nourished and soft. So Amika has an offer for you guys. You can shop all of my personal favorites at loveamika.com slash dreambigger and you can get 20% off your order. So this page, you have to go to the link, okay? In the link, you'll see every single product that I love from Amika, from their shampoos and conditioners to hair masks to, you know, um, sprays, like, you know, styling products essentially. So again, the link is loveamika.com slash dreambigger. Enjoy. I am all about walking literally everywhere, which of course means that I need footwear, which is both cute and, you know, goes with my outfits and comfortable. So I've talked about Vionic many times on this show. I initially tried their footwear in the form of sandals when I was away during the summer. I was walking all day long and these sandals were incredible. Of course, for fall, I've picked out a couple more products and I have both their LED blofer and their Brickle heeled sandal, which are both so cute and so insanely comfortable. I cannot talk about it enough. So Vionic has incredibly comfortable shoes because they use their exclusive Viomotion technology. So they began by revolutionizing medical orthotics and today they continue to use that science to engineer shoes that leave you feeling energized and confident all day long. I'm telling you guys, I am so not okay with shoe brands which are like all about comfort but 
no like fashion or like style sense to them because listen, like I'm not going to wear something that I don't feel good in, you know, in terms of like I want it to match with my outfit. And I'm also not a fan of wearing shoes for long walks that compromise my comfort. Like I want to do both. And and Vionic is really the brand for that. They even offer a 30 day risk-free trial so you can wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days if you're not satisfied for any reason. Vionic has an offer for you guys. Use the code DREAMBIGGER at checkout for free shipping at www.vionicshoes.com. That's the code DREAMBIGGER at checkout for free shipping at www.vionicshoes.com. Enjoy. So initially when you launched, what was kind of the the USP that you were going after customers with? Like, was it that, you know, this is like a super luxurious product and you almost, it sounds like even though the ingredients were so intentional and like clean back then, since it wasn't a category, you weren't even flexing that. So what was it that you were like pushing to customers and like getting their attention? The two biggest things were flattering color uh-huh. and like, you have an olive skin tone and I have an olive skin tone. I spent my entire life not being able to find a lipstick that looked natural and flattering, mm-hmm. like where I put it on and I look better. Like people would say, I put on a little lipstick and like I will bring so much life to my face. And I would put on a little lipstick and I would immediately look dead. Yeah. And I was like, why isn't this working? So really like the idea that like you can find easy color, like easy meaning it looks like you and is really flattering. That was number one. And number two was that it feels really comfortable. Mm-hmm. And the point of all those ingredients was so that it felt good, so that it didn't like hurt your skin while it was on it. You didn't take it off and end up having these like horribly dry lips. Oh, God, or, the worst. Like it tastes gross. It smells gross. Like you feel it. You taste, you know, you're just like having this sensorial experience that's mm-hmm. negative, yeah. which I always associated with makeup and especially lip because you really sense it. And I wanted to create something that you didn't feel anymore. And the path to that was through these ingredients. That's why they were like that. That's why it was designed that way. And was the intention to kind of hone in on lipstick or did you know that you'd kind of target beauty as a whole as time went by? Yeah, I always knew it would be a full, I mean, it would be full everything. Everything, yeah. Yeah, it was just the first thing. I mean, it's smart, though. And like, this is a conversation that I've had with other founders as well, where like, you know, it it's almost more strategic to start niche because like with like one product or like one kind of type of product, because otherwise you stretch yourself so thin trying to get all of these things out. You've paid for all of this inventory. You don't even know like what's resonating. And so it sounds like you did the same thing with lipsticks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there wouldn't have been a way for me to do more than four lipsticks. I couldn't even do more than four lipsticks. Mm-hmm. Like it couldn't have been six or eight. Like there is, I didn't know. I didn't have a retailer. I didn't have distribution. I didn't have shelf space like already lined up. I definitely went into it thinking just about that product and like the minimum viable even brand, you know, in order to start it. I wouldn't do it that way if I did it now. Really? What would yeah. you do now? If it were now, and I know what I know now, I would have placed a heavy emphasis and I would have invested in, and now I know how to do that, but I didn't know how to do that then. Mm -hmm. I would have placed a really heavy emphasis on brand, brand DNA, brand identity, like the reason for being, like the all the emotion and intention and like the storytelling. I would Mm -hmm. have spent a lot of time on that and I would have really fleshed it out and like kind of taken it pretty far, you know? Like I would have been like, This is what a retail store would look like. This is what visual merchandising would look like. This is what 
a hundred SKUs would look like, and this is why I would have really built that brand architecture in a way that I could then communicate it to people. And then I would have started creating product. Yes. However, I'm going to counter that a little bit because I think as a first time founder, it's the naivety that I think leads to all of it happening. Right. Like it's interesting because I'm three years into my brand and there's so much that I know today. And yet, like I have had this conversation where it's like, what would you do differently if you started Array today? And I wouldn't because I think the magic that was in Array is like everything that I didn't know. And I I kind of like learned along the way, you know, and I think that also oftentimes when people really overthink a brand before they launch it, it like takes so much longer, you know, like you just went to fucking town with these like four lipsticks and like, look at you now, you know, Yeah, 10 years later. I know. No, it is true. You'll never be a first time founder again. Exactly. Exactly. You can't ever you can never go back. You can't unsee what you've seen. Totally. So like, yes, your first time will be like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's like a little bit of magic there, you know, I just it's and I, sweet. you know, it, it, it's interesting because I've had this conversation with my dad, like when I when I initially started my brand and he's an entrepreneur. And I remember he had all of these questions like he's so supportive and he was really excited for me. But he was asking like just like devil's advocate questions. And I was like, nope. I just know that I'm doing this and it's going to do well, you know, because his mind, it's like he's he's not in that naive space anymore. Whereas I think a first time founder, it's always like glass half full. It's going to work out. Totally. Totally. That's what gets you through. And I think it can still work out. You will just ask a few more questions along the way. And you're right. It will look different. A hundred percent. So talk to me about I mean, you launch with these four SKUs. Like, was it that you you'd saved up for it. Like, how did you even get it out the door? It was a really minimal investment mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. It was like a tiny amount. And this is the thing that I only bought the lipsticks. Like I, there was no other money spent really. Yeah. Well, the thing is that a lot of people think that you need this like huge upfront investment to start a brand. And I think stories like this are important because like even just to get one MVP out the door, like minimum viable product, mm-hmm. Just invest a little bit and see kind of how it does. Yes. And so like that was, I guess, how how things went for you. That is totally how it went. And it did like immediately have an appeal. Like I could see that what I was putting out there, even though it wasn't I wasn't saying a lot Mm -hmm. because it's not like I had like a marketing team or a creative team or anything like even making content. It was just kind of like here are these lipsticks. Here's one a one page website with four blocks And here are these lipsticks. And like somehow people were saying back to me what I was putting out, which is, oh, my God, these are so flattering. Oh, my God, these feel so good. Oh, my God, these are so comfortable. And so like that let me know that something was working. And that was the information that I needed. (laughs) It would have been it wouldn't have been great if I had like done, you know, made a huge investment or done anything like that. But Mm -hmm. I do. It is a different time now. Yeah, it is no longer. This was like before the algorithm. Like I was mailing packages out to every human I'd ever met in my life and asking them to post it on Instagram. Do you do you have Instagram? You should post (laughs) it on Instagram. This is vintage. Yes. I'm telling you. This is vintage. Do you have have Instagram? I just got it last year. You should post it on Instagram. (laughs) Do you mind? Please post it on Instagram. 
That was the hustle. I don't back even then. think there were influencers really yet. Like that, I don't know. I that word they, was just coming out. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like I think it was brand new. Like 2015 is like it was just the wild, wild west in yeah. this whole industry. So, I mean, it's. I think you got in though when it was still early and like people like grew with the brand as well I'm sure like because this is probably when like a lot of influencers were just getting started and like you were one of the earlier beauty brands which were like cool and indie totally so you your distribution was primarily um, I'm guessing through your website at first at first and then you started to get picked up I didn't think I never used that word I didn't know that word yet (laughs) at that time but yeah, it was. And then we got picked up by retailers like very quickly. Mm-hmm. Little ones, like little boutiques. And I loved that because I wanted the brand to be, I wanted those lipsticks to feel like accessories. Like I wanted it and I always felt this way. It was like, I feel like your makeup and your look is like a part of your whole total self. Right. And like, I didn't like this whole floating head concept thing that I always saw in beauty. Cause I was like, well, how do I, you know, like tell me more about mm-hmm. like, you know, how do I know I resonate with this particular lipstick? Like, what's the story it's telling? It's like a whole costume change, mm-hmm. you know, when you put on a lipstick. And so being in a fashion retailer was great because it felt like it was part of, you know, it was helping me like tell an overall story about like who the person was. Mm-hmm. And then it became this little accessory that you could add on to your outfit. What was the moment where you really started to notice traction? Like you, you were like, OK, well, shit, this is like this is serious now. Along the way, there have been many little moments like mm-hmm. that. Can you remember like a couple of key ones? The first couple mm-hmm. were the very first one was a, it was a small article in The New York Times. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was before we had any retailers. So it was like still it was still like my own website. And I would get so excited like for each individual person that bought a lipstick and like write them a note. And when that New York Times article came out, like I almost I couldn't keep up at that point. And that was wow. like that was really exciting. Uh-huh. That was a definite moment where I was like, I can. It was six months into it. And then I was like, yes, I can keep going. I can keep doing this. And then after that, like at what point did you get picked up by like these, I guess, like more well-known retailers like Goop or Sephora? I mean, Sephora is like a ginormous like achievement for any founder. Yeah. And it's a Sephora is like a world unto itself the like a smaller boutique that might have like even up to like 10 locations is manageable for a very small team and it's great and like those were coming or like goop was the first one Mm -hmm. and goop was opening its stores at the same time that they were picking up costa so it was kind of like in a weird way we were growing together granted they were way bigger and growing way faster but in you know it was like all happening around the same time and it was great because like I could go into each one of those stores individually and like spend time with consumers and really like educate. And we didn't have a lot. We had lipstick, blush and tinted face oil or something like that. That was all that was in the first like two or three years. And then Sephora was a little later. The conversations with Sephora lasted a couple years before we actually went in. So this is, I think, the behind the scenes that people maybe don't know. And like, I think founders like in beauty and adjacent spaces kind of know how difficult and also how long it takes to get into the gargantuan that is Sephora. You know, like I have other friends in beauty who've who were in conversations with Sephora for like a year and a half, two years. And it's not like one day you're not there and then 
tomorrow you are. It's like it's a process to get there. It is. So what was that whole process like for you? Did you have to make hires according to that? Like give everyone a behind the scenes look at what it takes to get into a larger retailer like that. I will say that Sephora, the like the ethos behind Sephora is that Sephora themselves were an indie brand in France 20 something years ago, and they couldn't get any of the big brands to actually be carried there because they're this whole open concept, open cell environment. And the big luxury brands wanted to be behind the counter at a department store. Like that was the norm. And so when Sephora opened up this like really cool, this concept, the bigger brands didn't want to work with Sephora. And so Sephora had to work with indie brands, really, really small brands. So it is in their DNA to understand how to do that. And they know that like, that's why, you know, they really, there is a lot of handholding along the way and they're trying to help. And, but like you as a brand really just have to like go through it, you know, Mm -hmm. to really understand what all of that means and like what all the different moving parts are. So I would say what happens is to sort of explain it is what happens is you enter a little bit at a time. And like for us, we entered on this shelf, one shelf that was part of a larger collection Mm -hmm. of other clean brands. And it was like the shelf was made by Sephora and they put our products on that shelf. Mm -hmm. And that was how we were able to start in that little bit at a time. And then from there you graduate. It's just like going to school. Like you have, (laughs) you're like, you start out in kindergarten and they completely understand that. And maybe you have one or two people on your team, you know, it's like a small thing. And then you graduate a little bit at a time because, you know, then you're you need like inventory management, like the appropriate creative. The biggest thing I would say for l- smaller brands to get their head around is the lead times, that how far in advance you really have to be working on your product calendar to be able to even partner with Sephora in a meaningful way. I mean, it's like at least two years or so in advance, maybe a year and a half. Yeah. In a, but like you're never there in the beginning, you know, like you're when I first started, it was like the day the product is finished, like we turn it on on the website and that can be whenever it is. Mm-hmm. And that's how it is when you're first starting. Yeah. I mean, you're flying by the seat of your pants. You're flying by the seat of your pants. So you're always a year and a half late. Yeah. Like from day one. So like trying to bridge that gap is like what's happening for the beginning period of time. Yeah. And also I think what people may may not know is that I think everyone, like a lot of founders who who maybe have this like retail dream, they think that like, okay, I'm going to get into Sephora or Ulta, Whole Foods, whatever your like dream big retailer is. And the amount, like you're not even ready for that when you're like just starting out, you know, and going through step by step like you did, getting almost like your practice reps in with like smaller retailers and like growing from there in order to like understand what it takes to get to a Sephora, working out the kinks that I'm sure you had when you were, you know, with these smaller retailers, like you learn all of that so that when you're going into mass, you actually understand like, okay, well, shit, like this is serious. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And you understand like the things that you don't really know how to do. Mm -hmm. And then you find people who do know how to do them. So something that I've noticed about you guys is that you, I would say in the last three years have been just everywhere, like literally everywhere. I cannot escape you. Like what you've done is just phenomenal. And how do you think you got there? Like what, what do you think allowed you to go from like kind of this curve to like that? Because I feel like that's kind of what happened with your brand. 
I think it's the things that I'm talking about, the like really that being ahead of yourself mm-hmm. two years. That means that while we're preparing for that, there's like this two year gap of time that you're not seeing anything that like we've been getting ready. Yeah. And so that includes like building the team. It includes building the product pipeline. It includes like really understanding the brand and like the brand architecture, the brand DNA and the product architecture and product DNA. And then being able to like really create a an assort like an assortment of product that feels like it is also telling a story and all of that. It takes a lot of preparation, and then it, which we did. We took a lot of time. We took a couple of years to prepare it all, and then it started rolling out. Mm-hmm. And that's what you saw happen: is the rollout happening, and like then everything, everyone's rowing in the same direction. Like everything's firing at the same time. Everybody that needs to know what's going to happen is all in lockstep. So it's like curtains up, you know, like globally, mm-hmm. all at once, and that takes a shitload of coordination to make happen and time. Yeah. Yeah, so much coordination, so much time. Like, trust me. I mean, <laughs> I feel like I'm in it right now where, like, it's just been, for, I mean, I, like, ever since we started our brand, I was like, we all need to be speaking the same language. Like, any new person that we bring on, like, we all have to be, like, doing the same thing. And, like, you know, finally we got, like, our marketing and, like, operations like calendar so that everyone has visibility. I'm like, oh, like we're all working towards the yeah. same goal. And it's so hard. It takes a long time because there's like going to be a lot of people. There is the the be- very beginning when it's just you by yourself. Yeah. And like you have all of that information in your head and you can be really fast because mm-hmm. you're like, I know what marketing and operations and all of that's like coming through my own brain. And then later on, it's not anymore. And now there's like all these other people involved. And then so, yes, you do have to coordinate them. But I love what you said right before we sat down when you gave me this, Mm -hmm. actually, the bloat supplements, and you said, this is what we're known for. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like one of the big unlocks for any brand is to know what it is you're going to be known for and like stay with it. Because like you might as a, you know, you might be like, is that, you know, I'm I'm tired of hearing that, but like no one, no one even knows yet. And like you do want to like the brand and the product association like the one thing that is associated with this one brand is so powerful. Yeah. I think it's probably the most powerful thing. Oh, 100%. And I think that you start to realize that, like, I think as well as you get feedback and like you see kind of what is resonating with customers, like bloat, for example, like we didn't know that it would just like, you know, capture people's attention like it did and like become kind of that cult favorite. And so what we decided to do to respond to that was like zoom in on the digestive health category, right? So we just launched heartburn in February and it was because people were like, like that's what they wanted from us. And so we were like, okay, well, like clearly this is a gap in the market and we're being able to, I guess, like address it because we understand digestive health, but also because we want to respond to what people are looking for. And so I think that like listening to consumer feedback is incredibly important and zoom in on that and how it informs how you're going to build out your brand, I feel like. And how did, and like, why did you, sorry, I'm, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but I actually have a question. Yeah. Why did you make this product? So I, I had suffered from like digest, like not just digest, like immune system issues and then digestive health issues. And kind of, I'd become passionate about holistic wellness because of my own health journey. And something I kept seeing was that, you know, anytime I'd go to brunch or dinner or like hanging out with my friends, like 
the biggest conversation was how bloated everyone was. And I knew that you could troubleshoot it with like natural things. And we didn't have to go into the drugstore to get like Tums or Pepsit or like yeah. these things that are horrible for us. People were taking these things every day. It was crazy. Like just like popping pills, you know, and I just I changed my life by like with holistic things. And so as a hyper consumer, because I was a creator ahead of launching Array, I was like, the whole beauty industry, like I can go and I have the things that I need at Sephora for my skincare. And it's so easy to navigate as a consumer. You know, you get something for your under eye circles or your hyperpigmentation, whatever your issue is. It's very consumer friendly. It's also like either, you know, like formulated by a derm or a chemist. It's beautiful. So people actually want to use it. And so that was the gap that I wanted to fill where it was like, my husband and I, we were like, okay, people are very confused by this category. And we just wanted to come up with like simple solutions. So like, you know what bloat is for. Like, what could it be for? It's for bloating, yeah. you know? And like something you suffered from. Exactly. And yeah. so it was like, a, it was a need that I had and I knew that everyone had. And, and also, if you think about like how much you're constantly fixating on like, problems that you feel within your body. You can't show up as the best version of yourself if you're bloated or like having digestive discomfort or whatever your issue is. And so that's what we wanted to help with, like optimizing people's health so they could show up as the best versions of themselves. And so along the way, and like you had personal experience with oh that. My so God. like you probably knew what it felt like to have digestive issues and not be able to like, she if you had had, like, had that experience, then you're embodied in like yeah. the product, you and, know? And I mean, I remember like having to literally go home after dinner because I just, my stomach would hurt so much or, you know, I couldn't go out and continue the night with my friends or I was like so picky about what I was eating and I just couldn't enjoy myself because I was so paranoid about something that would like set my stomach off, you know? Yeah. And so that's what we wanted to solve for because like fact of the matter is that people want to live life and we want to give them the freedom to like do that, you know? And yeah. so this is something you take and you feel the impact of right away. Like you're bloated after a meal, you have it in under an hour that goes away. So you can just like live your life, you yes. know, and that's what we wanted. Yeah. We but want to be able to live our life. I love, I think it is actually so powerful to make something for yourself. Like of anything I've ever done when I'm solving my own problem. Yes. Like we just have so many commonalities as people that like that. I think, first of all, there's the, the passion and the true wanting to get to the root of it because you're doing it for yourself. And then you do that. And then you're like very excited about sharing it with other people because you've discovered something and that's powerful. Well, also, I think that it gives you a sense of purpose, even when things are going wrong. You know, I think that with entrepreneurship, you're out there like literally putting out fires on a daily basis. And when you're having the worst of days, it's actually not so bad because you feel this sense of like purpose and like drive that like, no, you know, I'm doing this because this is my why, you know? And yeah. I, I just, I don't think I could do what I do unless I felt what I felt about our products and like the, like my, my mission, you know what I mean? And I'm sure you can relate to the same thing because, you know, what you're saying about makeup and wanting to make people like, you know, like the transformative ability that makeup has and like doing it with like ingredients that feel good. It's like it's such an important mission. It is. I mean, and I love makeup. I love makeup and I love the I get so much joy out of it. And I love that feeling of 
understanding yourself and feeling good within yourself and then wanting to show up as that same person that you feel on the inside and like having these little tools to do it, giving yourself that space and time, like giving myself that hour to do my makeup is so special to me. And I feel like I am giving myself a treat and I'm like having fun with myself. I'm nurturing myself. I'm touching my own face. I'm expressing myself creatively through, you know, it's like pure expression and all of that is happening through makeup. And like, that's the point of view that I think and I, that is not unique to me. Like I know that people feel that way, but the industry has for so long put this idea in our head that we have something wrong that we have to fix. Mm-hmm. And like, I actually don't even, I think we all know that we don't have something wrong that we have to fix. I mean, many of us do, but like, what, what about the other way? I have something so right that I wanna shine, you know? Like I really wanna show it. I really wanna share that with everyone. And so I feel that way and I just like, after all these years, I still love, you know, I'm like always doing this like hand swatching, you know, touching textures. Like I can't, I love that. And that's a privilege and an honor to be able to do something like that because truly it is fun. Like that we get to do something that's really pleasant, you yeah. know, like at the, I know that that has its challenges and it has its struggles, but definitely like it's focused on the brighter side of life for oh, sure. 100%. 100%. So what did you release after lipsticks? Like what was your second category that you went or subcategory, I guess, because the all second under. one was blush. Really? Yeah, because you can't you have to balance the color on your face, you know. I love that. Yeah. Very cool. OK, so I want to ask an audience question because I always do that okay. at the end of the interview. What do you think led to you blowing up on social media? God, I like it's you're talking about TikTok probably, right? Like I feel like there was just this movement and like kind of like virality with your products that happened. I think that there was it was really around revealer concealer. So like mm-hmm. that concept of being known for something, like mm-hmm. that product had so much like every thing about the brand showed up in that product. It was like a really beautiful finish. It had really great coverage. It does what it's supposed to do. It also nourishes the area and it has this very alive finish. So it looks really skin-like. Like you would put it on and you would say, your skin looks amazing. You wouldn't say your makeup looks so good or something like that. And so like that, and that just like that sweet spot of coverage too. Mm -hmm. And so we had this thing that we were known for And it was because people really liked it. I mean, the thing about makeup is like, you cannot fake it. Yeah. There's no fake it till you make it with a product because especially something that's complexion, especially complexion, because like you're putting it directly on your skin. If it doesn't work, you're throwing it away immediately. And if you will know when you run out, do you buy it again? Mm -hmm. Like that's the telltale sign, you know? And so it was that, it was really through Revealer Concealer. It was like through the overall love of Revealer that like I, there kind of became this like groundswell. Did you know that it was going to be such a big product when you released it? Like, did you understand what it was going to do? I didn't know that it was going to be like the key pillar yeah. of the brand. And we had in 2022, so we had released Revealer Concealer in 2019, right before COVID. No way. Yeah, I did it not was know a, that. It was a three-year build. Huh. And that's the thing about makeup that's different than fashion. There's, it's not an immediate thing because it's not seasons and collections. It's loyalty and yeah. love. 
and that happens over time. Like you have to go through three years, like you have to go through like, you know, three or four tubes of revealer concealer before you understand that that's your concealer and you don't want to use a different one. And so it took a few years. It took, you know, 2019 to 2022. And in 2022, we released Revealer Foundation because we did know that there was such a love of Revealer Concealer and people Mm -hmm. were using it all over their faces. Mm -hmm. And as like they were using it as their foundation as a hack. And so we were like, we should make a foundation. And we once we released Revealer Foundation, there was the power of the two together was actually probably that step change that you're referring to. Smart, because you listen to your consumer as yeah. well. This was so fun. Tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find Kosas. Tell us everything. You can find me uh, on Instagram. I have it now. Have it. <laughs> My handle is Sheena, S-H-E-E-N-A. You can find Kosas on Kosas.com. And you can find us at Sephora. You can find us at Credo. You can find us at Goop. You can. There's a bunch of places, a bunch of amazing places, and I don't want to leave anyone out. So if you check Kosas.com, it'll give you the list of everywhere that you can find Kosas. Thank you so much for being here. This is so fun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at SifHider. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people. Learn and unlearn and have a lot of fun. See you next week. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.